Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm your radio, radio show! I'm your radio, radio show! Hello and welcome to the 909 Podcast. It is daylight savings time in the Woo. office. It is actually bright for once when we're recording the podcast. Very unusual uh, situation to be in, but also very welcoming. It's a, uh, it's bright. We can see into the hello, skyline, sun. see some birds and stuff. Oh, it's sweet. Yeah. Anyway, hello, <laughs> hello, Andre. How are hello, you? Hello, Niall. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just realised that just before we I press record that actually yes, it is bright still, it's still bright for us, which is and they're, they're getting rid of daylight savings from like 2021. I say they, we, yeah, it was voted in Europe that it would be gotten rid of. And I imagine we're going to adhere to that. Otherwise there'll be utter chaos. Oh yes. We're not going to have a la Brexit. So yeah, it'll be sad not having it. It's, it's so nice. It's so bright. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense anymore, does it? So what does that mean? I don't see. I don't care that it doesn't make sense because once a year, my serotonin levels just take like they drop, obviously, in the winter. But my God, when you get them back in springtime, it's like it's, <laughs> it's like you like deprivation is what you're saying. Yeah. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. That's Forced that's what this life is, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, speaking of deprivation, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to do it. Um, there's been a lot of media layoffs, especially uh, around pop culture and mm. media in the last week and a bit. Um, a lot of uh, things cl- announcing that they're shutting down. First of all, we had the Daily Edge, which is the journal's pop culture um, channel. And, uh, which will be sorely missed. Section, yeah. Um, a really great sidebar to a newspaper uh online newspaper news publication that um was totally i'm sure i don't really understand that to be honest I, me like, neither I'm sure it seems so popular I'm, if you live online as a journal does and you rely on 
you know, clicks and eyeballs and all that kind of stuff. It seems mm. a no-brainer to me to have a BuzzFeed-inspired um, sidebar yeah. pop culture section that would actually speak to what's happening on the internet. And I, I love that, like, it it was that, but it was, it just had this kind of, this Irish tone to it. It got Irish humour. All of the writers on it were hilarious. Like just some some of the funniest women in the country were writing for the Daily Edge. It's just it's a real. Go on, shout them out there. You you're you're talking of people like my fave would be Fanula Jones. Fanula it's Jones, just yeah. hilarious. Like, and there was just always this kind of um, this tongue in cheek tone that. You, you'd only really understand it if you were Irish and I don't know it's it's just such a shame that also a nice like it, a lot of people like Amy O'Connor worked there yeah, I think as yeah. well um, people who've gone through that, those ranks as well and have yeah. actually learned a lot I'm sure and, and experienced and gained a lot as well not mm. only the staff that, I, I can't remember the lady's name who did the um, the Dublin rental roundup every month because we're obviously in a horrible rental crisis and looking at the the roundup of like here are the actual worst properties for rent in Dublin right now and it's it's such a grim topic but like just this hilariously dark spin on it that you'd like round this up in a BuzzFeed style article that oh the lady who did it, her name escapes me she was really really funny on Daily Ed as well I'm really sorry but yeah really really sad but Daily Edge wasn't the only no um, so Daily Edge was two weeks ago maybe yeah. Um, and yeah. then last week I got the news uh, along with my other contributors to the Irish Times ticket that that is uh, having a redesign um, next week as we speak and uh, our services are no longer required in a weekly capacity mm. so that for me meant uh, the new artist of the week the album of the week and uh, songs that I wrote about for the ticket every Saturday ticket was originally in Friday till I did another redesign just before the last editor Lawrence Mackin left and then Hugh Lennon took over about a year and three months ago mm -hmm. probably and it's been the same since and until I got a phone call last week, along with pretty much at the same time as, as humanly possible, one man could talk to five different people. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was sad. But like personally, when like I got off the phone, it was like, I knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. I knew it was coming because, you, you know, you write about new music, you hear things about uh, how things are going internally in the times, and then you're just not sure if you have a future there. Um, so one way of looking at it is I got longer than I thought I would have got yeah. in writing about new music. And that's for me personally, that is uh, upsetting. Then there's the likes of uh, Jen Gannon, who is a brilliant writer and great pop culture coverage. Who originally wrote for State.ie and yeah. really needed to be writing for somebody like Irish Times because she's a great writer and she writes really funny things about the, the likes of Made in Chelsea, but also great about stuff like Kylie Minogue and yeah. really good at like live reviews and stuff like that. Then uh, our friend Louise uh, Bruton, who is just a pop queen herself and uh, is Brilliant well writer. able to write yeah. about the important uh, upcoming and new and exciting artists and pop culture that's happening. And She had her brilliant uh, VBF. Column, yeah, which yeah. is just great. And Sarah McGriffin was writing about podcasts, mm -hmm. and Seamus O'Reilly, who, who kind of wrote a column about uh, 
life and pop culture and stuff like that in general. Yeah. So everyone under 40 was basically mm. um, uh, fired, yeah. <laughs> it seems. Uh, now, in, say, in saying that, we can pitch to uh, the uh, Irish Times for features as normal, but I don't know what that's going to mean for it. But it generally feels like music and pop culture is less important now in the Irish Times mm. than it ever was. So, uh, well, certainly as it was in the last five, six years and maybe ten Um the music coverage there's going to be reviews and I presume listings is going to stay I don't know mm. we'll find out next Saturday and then pitched pieces yeah pitch pieces but mostly that's been archive and um, there's a lot there's been a lot more theatre art and film um, focused in the last year under Hugh Lennon so uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens like personally for me it was like you know, I've got that phone call before from an from an editor when you're writing for them every week, and it's mm. you know, personally speaking, it's you know, it's financially uh, a stability um, that it offers is one thing, and then when you step back from that a bit, you're like, you see, like it was it was very quick. He didn't tell us not to like say anything because like he gave us a week's notice. Really, mm. uh, I'd I was going to find my column the following day. So I did that um, the following day, but it was those, the aftermath of those kind of things, you're like, you know, there's not much in my life where I'm, I'm working for nine or nine and, and I'm doing my own thing and I'm hustling and trying to get, you know, uh, things going. And then be told that you can't, you, you're not doing something. So that kind of, you lose that leg of stability yeah. in terms of regular income. Um, but beyond that, then you start to think about, oh, right, they're getting rid of pop culture, they're getting rid of music, um, what's left? And then, yeah. People start telling you messages and texts about, you know, how this is going to affect uh, arts and culture coverage in Ireland in an already decimated place in terms of uh, media for that kind of out those kind of outlets mm. combined with the Daily Edge as well. You're like, whoa, what's left? Yeah. You know, it's like that idea that you felt like the Internet is, you know, going to open up some avenues, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that. It feels like and the world in general and publishing. I know there's there's problems with newspapers and stuff like that, but um, there are examples out there of, of newspapers doing those things well. And still, it's great for an artist to be featured in somewhere like that because Absolutely. it gives them not only validation, but I like, you know, it's like being broadcast on the radio. It's like. We can do do so much in terms of say nine or nine as a website and promoting Irish artists, but if you happen to hear somebody on Today FM or Two FM that you liked, you wouldn't hear that unless you went looking for it. So yeah. those kind of like broadcasted, and that's the way sometimes I think about the Irish Times stuff. It's just casual uh, observers and and readers who mm. might discover something. And it's a national have. newspaper, and and for somebody to kind of be named New Music of the Week or new, Best New New Artist. Um, in their national newspaper is a big deal for bands and yeah, for and artists. Yeah, I've joked you know. about it in the last week. It's like it helps get their mammies and daddies after back. You Absolutely. Know? Like it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a real musician now. Some you sort know? of validation. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's yeah. just a shame. It's a real shame. And like it it will be interesting going forward seeing what the what the redesign and, and the rejig is going to be. May, maybe there will be room for new artists in a more kind of feature capacity yeah, or possibly, in like a long you know, form I mean, kind of thing maybe there's the plan there i don't know i'm not privy to those uh details but, yeah uh, you know we can just, only hope yeah i think it's just like personally and and then seeing the reaction from other people saying that this is one of the reasons why i subscribed mm -hmm. you know to get rid of those kind of that kind of content and that like thread that happens every week is for me disappointing obviously i would say that i was mm. you know benefiting from that and also 
it was a, an endeavor that I really enjoyed and then something that I really felt like was helping people mm-hmm. and artists and also readers as well, especially like I first, I mean, my first time I, I remember discovering Saul Williams from The Ticket. Oh, in, really? Um, wow. When Jim Carroll wrote about him in it, just a tiny little sidebar, like the Songs of the Week thing that mm-hmm. I did. And I remember looking at that and uh, and then listening to Saul Williams and I bought a CD or something at the time and I was like, this is great. This mm-hmm. is so good. And I never forgot that like recommendation. And it's stuff like that where you're like those little parts that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. And then to end up basically Jim left a couple of years ago for to go to RTE and to get the opportunity to write about new music in the Irish Times is not something I was uh uh, you know, I never really thought it was going to go that way. So I was yeah. just really, you know, it's like a, it's a nice achievement to have. Definitely. Um, and to have that, maybe have that effect that like Jim had on me back in the day is like something that I had not forgotten. So I guess for that reason as well, it's like bittersweet. But I'm generally a positive person. So I'm trying to stay positive about these things. Yeah. I understand being a freelancer is one of the, is what happens is you lose jobs, you gain jobs, you things don't stay forever and nothing mm-hmm. does last forever. Um, but um, that is one of the things you've got to remain positive about and, you know, something else to come along, like we're starting the Lost Lane uh, Club on Friday night, for example, in uh, Spacer, the new disco night uh, on every Friday. Mm-hmm. So that's something that new to starting the same week, that something else is stopping. So, yeah. you know, you got to stay positive about these things and think about it in those terms and maybe work harder on the other parts of the of your uh, career that you know you maybe could do more on that so. is a very optimistic attitude yes i've, I've i like I've, it. I've arrived at that Good. in the last few days <laughs> but that's what it is you know like yeah. you just never when you're working like you know like sometimes you if you're working in a freelance capacity you don't know where your next paycheck's come mm-hmm. from so the worry of that could actually create more worry yeah so that's why we started a patreon as well like three or four months ago you know like yeah. um we were like, you know, there we're doing something that we feel is value, and there's there the numbers are there to support it to suggest that there's values there. The there are readers to the site, so mm-hmm. you know you've got to if no you can't rely on everyone else to pay you. Sometimes you've got to ask direct, and I know that was a tough yeah. one for me to get to that point of going. Let's start a Patreon, um, because it's a direct ask and it's direct value, yeah, transfer or. You know, it feels like such a personal thing almost to yeah. ask people for money. But well, I've I've sort of made it a policy of mine now that I'm sort of in a position like I'm not a freelancer. I have a non-music related day job that I work at for forty hours a week, so I have an amount of disposable income to kind of spend on things that I'm enjoying. Um, and so I have this sort of policy now where if 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 I listen to someone's podcast, say once a week, I'll, I'm like, I'll pay for it. Like I'm in a privileged position to do that. Not everybody is in that position. Um, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, we know what, what is happening with everything now. I mean, like Drowning Sound is gone. Like there's a, a, a so lot that of places. thing that came out the exact same yeah. the morning that the, I the, got my That, news, that so. morning and then in the evening was the Irish Times thing. Um, and I know Sean had been talking, Sean Adams from Drowning Sound had talked a lot about that in terms of how it was going to, it's been, he's been struggling with that and yeah. managing that because, I mean, we have hosting costs that are like a hundred euro a month, but um, we don't host like forums that are going to cost yeah. us well there's other costs so the forums well, are are going to remain open and active because of i think some kind of a crowdfunding situation but they'll be um ceasing 
uh, reviews and interviews, like uh, commissioning them. And they'll have some editorial and some articles um, that were kind of scheduled or agreed to be posted. But essentially, there'd be no more commissions for the site. Um so it's gone then, as in it, other than those pieces, that's that's the end. Yeah, the uh, end uh, all of the, uh, everything that has been posted so far will be available and will remain available. So I, I imagine they're, you know, they're paying their their hosting fees and that, but there yeah. there won't be any commissions for for new work, um, which is really sad. I I was, you know, a, quite a big fan of, of that site. It always seemed like, getting a good review on Drown and Sound was a real stamp of approval yeah, for totally, artists. Totally. And, and as you say, like a great community that had developed around that. Yeah, yeah. Not it's not a, easy to get, you know, a, a community, like, like try starting a forum and getting people writing in it. People, especially now. People don't use do forums anymore. People no. <laughs> use that forum. Like yeah. it's, it, it's insane. Um, the only I'm, equivalent I can think of here is Thumped that has yeah. that kind of level of uh, engagement. Engagement, but I'd say even yeah. that is probably not as active as it was 10 years ago, but I think that's just the nature of like the fragmentation of online platforms and the way everyone's gone to Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff and Twitter that like, that's where those conversations happen a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. Like Twitter, Twitter. Or Kanye to the, or, you know, what else, what else was there? There was a, 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 at ease, the uh, Radiohead mm. message boards. I'm sure they're oh, still rocking. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if they are. Let's look into that. <laughs> but um well yeah that's the the media roundup uh not a bit of a grim thing i would hope you know like there's that's that's a lot of pop culture writers that have suddenly stopped um uh being paid for the work that they're doing so a bit of time is right to start your local a new publication online publication in ireland to represent that level uh, i certainly would like to see something like that and uh sure we'll see how things develop but yeah that's what happens but, you know, uh, sometimes things come along that give you a perspective on your own uh, personal up and downs. And uh, there was a big one today that uh, really showed up my my issue as a first world problem. And uh, so what was that, Andrea? So the innards of a black hole have been photographed <laughs> and presented to us. They are... I can't find the exact number now, but they are several billion times, or it, the, the black hole itself is several billion times larger than our sun. And it's really hard to think about anything except the large black hole that they now have a photograph of that I saw today. And I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm yeah. so afraid <laughs> of it. You just and feel so just small. aware of my own mortality yeah i think that's fair i think that's fair in in the universe the first line of the new york times uh, article about it by dennis overby uh describes it as a cosmic abyss yeah so deep and dense that not even light can escape it of course that's what a black hole is but just there's it's filled with uh that article in particular is filled with some choice lines oh i mean this this is the best thing i've maybe if, if i was to choose something that oh i wish i wrote that it's this the image of a lopsided ring of light surrounding a dark circle deep in the heart of the galaxy known as Messier 87, some 55 million light years away from Earth, resembled the eye of Sauron, a reminder yet again of the implacable power of nature. It is a smoke ring framing a one-way portal to eternity. <laughs> a one-way portal to eternity. That's unreal. 
deep breath. <laughs> it's going to be okay, isn't it? Albums still matter. Music still matters. Yeah, well, I mean, it? in the face of uh, uh, unending eternity in a black hole, I mean, what do you do? You either do what Matt Bellamy did, did write and write song about it. songs about that kind of try and uh, uh, capture that reality, or you just get on with yourself and listen to some nice music. Yeah. And uh, Supermassive Black Hole is a bit of a tune, though. Yeah, well. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight its corner. I don't mind. I won't I don't die mind on it too much. I'm not, but a, I'm not a I will fan. fight its corner. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. The black hole just puts a lot of things into perspective. It does a bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is very much worth a read, by the way. Even if you've seen the picture, the yeah. New York Times article, it's just filled with those kind of things. You can just tell that this writer has been waiting his whole life. Yeah, exactly. To use sentences like that. Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty insane, and uh, that does definitely reduce uh, other things that are going on and and give it some perspective. Yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, Muse and Matt Bellamy, he is one of the artists featured on the uh, forthcoming Game of Thrones inspired soundtrack. So this is much seems to be much like the Black uh, Panther inspired um, soundtrack, which I absolutely loved. Which obviously TD um, Top Dog and Kendrick Lamar uh, put together. So I don't think there's an executive producer on this album. So we kind of might get more of a maybe the Lord created soundtrack, but then that even had a curator as well. This could mm. be just like a like a weird tie in like that is doesn't make any sense. How do you feel about this? I don't know because it depends suspicious. on the songs, right? It just depends on the songs. But there, uh, there's some hope in there. There's some things that are like okay. This is uh, Columbia Records uh, trying to do a, a get some uh, streams and just do some tie-ins to Game of Thrones because it's uh, it's at the last season. Uh, but there are names in there, like so. There's the likes of the Lumineers, and you're like, how does that fit in with Game of Thrones? The likes of banjos, yeah. Uh, I don't know, ex ambassadors, uh, Chloe and Hal, um, Ellie Goulding. You're like, no, game that doesn't really scream uh, Winterfell or Westeros no. to me in any well, way. None of them do. That's the thing. I'm... Mumford and Sons, mm. right? I could see Mumford and Sons doing like a an Ed Sheeran esque which I'm still annoyed about, um, cameo, where they're just playing some some tunes like in yeah. the corner of a room or whatever. Well, none but, of this music is going to be mu- used in the show. Thank God. <laughs> but even even having like, I don't know, I, I feel... James Arthur? I feel deeply uncomfortable mm. about the whole thing, to be honest well, with you. Well, you know, the couple of the good things there that I've been like, I'm interested in hearing are Aesop Rocky, Joy Badass, Travis Scott, uh, SZA. Um, not, I would never put her into a, a Game of Thrones style, but like yeah. Rosalia is there and that could be something uh, that... Ah, this explains things. Yeah, This is see? why you're excited about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> well, you never know. I'm like, any new Rosalia music is good to yeah. me. I mean, you look, I like that reggaeton song, so why not? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am interested and intrigued by those uh, inclusions to see how this will shake up, but it could just be a terrible, mm. terrible album. Because There's no track list or anything yet, so we don't know what is going to shake up in it at all. There's also going to be like a coloured vinyl that's going to be 11 different covers. I think it's like 11. It's like one for every house, which is like ultimate for uh, just like collector nerds. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's the same songs on each one. It's like money, 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 money. Oh, totally. It's, yeah. I mean, I think HBO and Columbia are doing... um, 11 different violin versions. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I mean, look, financially, it makes sense. Like what? How, how do we make money off the biggest talking point of the year? You know, yeah. pe- people have been waiting for this for so long. I'm excited. I'm, oh, I I'm can't looking wait. forward to seeing the last season again. I can't Thrones. wait. I've been rewatching I, season one. And oh, it's uh, so I, t- good. I, I started doing that and then I was like, 
there's just too long to go for yeah. me to go that far. So yeah. I just watched a recap instead, which really helped. Yeah. So my boyfriend has never seen Game of Thrones, doesn't really know anything about it. Uh, he, he asked me, he was like, is there like a dragon in it or something? And I was like, okay, we're watching Game of Thrones. And um, totally forgot how good season one is. Like, my God, it's just fantastic. And uh, I absolutely can't wait. This By this time next week, we'll have seen the first episode. Yeah, so. just for the scale and scope of, of what they're doing, I'm like, I'm interested in it for that reason alone. Mm. Like, there's a, they posted a lot of like those kind of featurettes and behind the scenes about camera work and stunts mm. and like just the sheer scale of it. And it was really interesting. Just like, you know, when like the dragon breeds fire and uh, people go on fire, they actually are setting people on fire to do that. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, oh, they don't have to do that, do they? See, I don't watch any of that stuff, not until like way way after until it's an in-between seasons thing like i when oh they're not they're not showing anything about season eight no no but if if i if i watch an episode i don't read anything about it the next day uh if people are talking about it in work i don't talk about it with people i'm just like it, I, i'm i'm just like i'm really tired from watching the episode i don't know how to feel about it i'm confused I know that you all know more about it because you've read the books and you yeah. know that so-and-so's granddad is really so-and-so's uncle and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, just let me have this. This is just my little thing. Let me just watch my television and have my own thoughts. <laughs> I feel like with Game of Thrones, you don't get a minute to breathe yeah, after yeah. it, you know. Yeah, would you? Whatever. I'm even considering staying up to watch the first one at 2 a.m. just for the crack. I am... Um, absolutely not dude I can't <laughs> I I did it for the last season a couple of the nights and the next day I was like why did I do that yeah it's I don't just... I, I don't have to get up for work at nine if I don't want to so I could technically mm. do that and, I have uh, that aforementioned job to go to yes so. <laughs> I, I, well here's the other thing I was the reason I'm thinking about that is because I have a busy weekend ahead with the Lost Lane stuff on Friday we're doing the all ages gig on oh, Saturday yes. afternoon with uh, Pill Queen's Go ahead, plug, plug, plug. Plug it, plug uh, it. Tebby Rex and uh, God Knows, uh, all ages gig in the Grand Social on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be lit. And uh, in between that, the boom are playing the Trinity Ball at 3am. Are they? So now? with that in mind, You're going I was to be like, maybe person. I will take Sunday and uh, have a half day or come in at 12 on uh, Monday. Do it. So then I could step Well, if the boomer playing at 3am on the Saturday, your body clock is going to be adjusted to Game of Thrones time. <laughs> true, true. By Sunday night. So um, you'll be fine. I'm also, yeah, I've actually never been to a training ball as well. So I just want to go and have a look at it. Really, Good that's luck. it. Yeah. I'll be coming in at carnage hour, uh, the last hour of it. Um, just speaking of the soundtrack though, uh, the national art on it, and they obviously did a, uh, the Reigns of Castamere on one of the earlier uh, season so that that's a good great. addition and then I remembered when I was looking at the track list and then I had a strange dream uh, not a strange dream I'm not going to describe my dream too much but I had a dream that Rosalia that's a different podcast. Rosalia was in it and my friend had told me she was playing a gig and we all went to see it but it was like in a small theatre and then she did a music she was making her music video with us it's like Okay, I think I should I think the Rosalia thing needs to calm down a bit now. <laughs> it's like you she was sound in my like dreams me when I was in my in the throes of my One Direction. Thing. Oh no, it's not like that at all. <laughs> or she, me right now with someone we'll talk about later, <laughs> Exactly. Um, but uh, look, I am looking forward to that. I don't know about the soundtrack. It is out on April twenty sixth, so we'll hear that in full. Mm. And uh, yeah. Who knows what it'll be like. Keep an eye. So we'll move on to tracks of the week uh, this week. We're going to start with uh, the man you just mentioned there and his band. It is Vampire Weekend and this song.
Forthcoming from Vampire Weekend, that's a song that came out last Friday called This Life. Um, the album is called Father the Bride, and it is, it is out soon. Dre, you're a fan of this, obviously. I love this song so much. It speaks to the part of me that... So I often struggle with, um, you know, when people are like, what's your favourite album? I often struggle with what that is, but I usually come back to Graceland. Um, So it makes complete sense that I love this song. It's like, it's absolutely like uninhibited in its kind of um, recreation of of that real Graceland sound. It's so rich and... Well, that's There's all some, I was going to say about it, so... <laughs> sounds like Paul Simon. Yeah, yeah or, it's beautiful. It's It's the most kind of... Um, the most joyous song you're going to hear about like despair and the the lyrics in it are absolutely beautiful. Um, I have heard the album and it works really, really well within the album. Uh, more on that in early May, I suppose. But um, it's I like this song is is what daylight savings sounds like. You know, <laughs> it's just so wonderful. I love it. Yeah, it's a great song. It is that like nice, jaunty, old-fashioned pop music that I just... It, and it's good to hear them do that and not like try too hard to do anything else. That's, yeah. you know, it's just like a good song. It's this great. is my favourite of the singles that, that have come out so far. Oh yeah, for easily. Sure. Yeah, um, easily. And I don't know who does the backing vocals, who the female singer is in it, but she's wonderful. They, yeah, they I didn't sing see re- anything really, about that at all, did really you? Really beautifully together. No, I had a quick search earlier and I, I couldn't okay. find anything. Maybe it'll be on the um, the album listings, but um, yeah, it's just such a wonderful song. I could talk about this song it's a lovely, It's a lovely bop. I presume you're going to see them on July 1st I in, sure am, in yeah. Trinity. Yeah. Um, won't be the Trinity Ball, but it'll be a much nicer crowd. No, and I haven't, um, I haven't been to one of the Trinity gigs yet, so I'm interested to see what it's like to kind yeah, of... Yeah, I, I haven't been to them either. Yeah. So, Are you going? Uh, I haven't told about it yet. I don't know. Let's see about sure. dates. I don't see about dates. Mm-hmm. I haven't got that far ahead in my life yet. <laughs> we'll see. I have actually. That's a total lie. I have my year planned out pretty much. <laughs> uh, but I haven't looked at that particular date yet. But yeah, yeah. Sharoni across the way. We'll yeah. have a look. Okay, let's move on to our next track. Uh, Hot Shaper back. They have a new song out called Hungry Child. And it sounds like this.
That is Hot Chip from their new album, which is called A Bat Full of Ecstasy. Um, mm. I'm not sure what the reference is there, but uh, that is intriguing. The song is called Hungry Child. To me, this is just a, a grade A Hot Chip banger, and they always do it. Um, and they are very good at this. They had a, they faltered a little bit in their, like, the album that came out. I think I talked about this before, but I can't remember what it was called. The one with the, the round uh, part. It was one of their, it was their big EMI album uh, that came out after their the boy from school stuff okay. and they went a bit more um they just did more more uh made the dark i think it was called those 2008 yeah okay. yeah that was the one and i felt like some of that stuff was just a little bit too like trying too hard and maybe they overthought it a bit uh, like i had ready for the floor on it but uh well there was a lot of like i don't know where this is going lads and then they just yeah. brought it back since then i think they've really just like streamlined their music in a really nice way uh, and this just sounds like another great hot chip song to me. Yeah, they're really good, especially like as a DJ. You like you really appreciate a band like this who can release really hook filled dance songs, and I love that about them because yeah. they always do it. And it songs like these. This is totally the kind of stuff that works for me for uh, our club and Luma and stuff like that. It's just like song you can sing along to, but you can have a bop and you have dance here yeah. as well. I love that stuff. Uh, some of my favourite music is that music. And uh, you, how you feel about this one? I really, really like this song. I think it's it's more kind of, um, it's a bit less, um, so Hot Chip can tend to be the more kind of avant-garde side of dance music. And I think this is a bit more of a like... Uh, banger kind of get on the dance floor kind of thing but you know they're pros they do it well it's it's a it's a really really good um it's it's just a really good tune and it's um it's kind of lush and there's a lot going on in it um it's a great headphones tune as well I kind of I was listening to it on speakers at home and then threw in the headphones to come here and I listened to it on the headphones for the first time and I was like oh it's actually lot more going on here which is kind of what you expect from from hot yeah. chips like i guess like joe goller has been going off and doing some of those more dance floor stuff mm. oriented stuff and then um alexis taylor has done the more piano based stuff yeah. recently um some of the other guys were in the band new build as well and then obviously um in lcd as well in the live band mm. and so this is just a nice for, uh, return to form for me and just always good to hear new hot chip music absolutely they're gonna play october 17th in dublin in the olympia theater on sale this friday um so do check that out i'm sure it's gonna sell pretty quickly i'd yeah, say I'd that's, that'd be a great so, place yeah. to see them i haven't seen them in a place like that in a while actually don't they've, they only, only have done the festivals they're playing all together now as well this summer so yes. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to see them. Do you, you know, know, I've seen nice hot, like a, a hot chip DJ set, I'd say about three times at this stage, but I've never actually seen them live. Right. So I've, I'll definitely be there at the end. Of the yeah. <laughs> I met, we met Al Doyle in Reykjavik in the bar in the hotel that we were staying in a couple of years ago. Mm. He gave us some of his uh, whiskey, what I think want to say. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> he played it. They played that festival as well. Um, and uh, yeah. That was my Aldo story in Reykjavik. Cool. <laughs> um, nice guy. He won uh, my um, uh, respect for being Good. cool. And, nice. and uh, Maybe he'll share his bath full of ecstasy with you the yeah. next time he sees you. <laughs> yes, I don't know. We'll find, maybe we'll find out what that reference is too. Mm, I wonder. <laughs> right, our next song is from Leisha. It is a song called Mad. You can do what you want Cause you're not what I want I can see that you're not Get what you want, acting so nonchalant, tying me up in knots. And now I'm getting mad. 
That is Leisha with a song called Mad, and it's from her debut EP, which was just released last week. Uh, Leisha is an artist that we featured on Nine Nine a fair bit over the last couple of years. Basically, started out making some really nice, sophisticated uh, R&B kind of pop music, and much sparser than this uh, kind of arrangement. Recently, hooked up with Richie McCord and songwriting as well, and uh, is doing. This is a bit of a, a departure for her musically. Um, it's more, I would say it's more in the frame of most of the rest of the pop music you'll hear. I feel like it feels like a, a secret song. Yeah, perhaps. I think what what I'm not on board with the song, if I'm honest, because okay. the the hook, the mad hook, I, I can't get behind that. I just find it annoying. If okay. I'm honest, that's number one. And then there's parts of the song I like, like I love that Robin uh, throbbing, like low end part of it. Um, but and there's some nice production in there. But I feel it does feel like three or four different songs sometimes in one. Um, it's like uh, parts uh, pulled together that don't quite fit for okay, me. Okay, yeah. Um, that's how I feel about that song. <laughs> sure. Um, I I actually like this. I'm with you on the now. I'm getting mad bit. I just. I don't know. I, I couldn't really get my head past that. I just kind of felt like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. But um, it's one of those points kinda... where I'm starting to worry whether it's like, uh, sorry, I cut you off there. Um, no, you're fine. Whether it's the stuff that I liked before is now it's gone and now it's moved on to embracing a bigger pop sound that I'm just less interested in. Do you know? Sure. Yeah. That might be the case. Um, but it's a song on the EP called Again, which I do really like as well. Yeah, I feel like if this is the pop sound that she's embracing, I'm I'm sort of fine with it, minus that one kind of part of the song that I wasn't mad about. But I do I, I actually quite like how much is going on in it and that it feels at times a bit disjointed and then it all kind of seems to come together at not necessarily the chorus, but I say the lead into the chorus is really strong. Um, I I think it's the l- lyrically it's interesting. I'm I'm sort of getting the vibe that it's about being like gaslit and kind of fighting back against that, which I think is like a, a cool message. But um, yeah, an interesting kind of uh, new sound, and I I don't hate it. I'm yeah, just, I think just that that vocal uh, that uh, it's just that one little bit that I yeah, couldn't that, get past. Yeah, that, I think it was a risk grating a little yeah. bit uh, on repeated plays for sure. Mm. Um, but that is Leisha. A song is called Mad. Uh, it, up next, it's your boy Hayden Thorpe with Love Crimes. Mm-hmm.
is Hayden Thorpe. Song is called "Love Crimes" from a forthcoming album called "Diviner." Obviously, if you are familiar with Wild Beast, you will recognize that very distinctive voice. Mm-hmm. Um, this sounds very much like that kind of vibe for me, um, and I guess that makes sense because it is the guy from Wild Beast. So, um, how does this stack up for you? Yeah, I think it's. I I really like this song. It unfortunately came for me during a week where um, I was listening to very kind of upbeat. Um, it was kind of like, do you remember the other week when we had the Sky Ferreira song and we just kind of weren't in the place? Yeah, the weather, it. it didn't suit the weather. It just, it wasn't sitting with me. But um, but no, this this is a really strong um, first track and I think he's really laying the groundwork for what will be an interesting um, solo sound. I think when when you have a voice like Hayden Thorpe, that sort of defined the sound of Wild Beasts. Um, I think especially on on that last record, which I really, really liked, um, the one with Big Cat on it. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Mm. Pretend I know the name of it. Um, re- like, big fan of that album. And I think when you have a voice like his that defines that band's sound, it can be hard then in your, in your solo material not to sound like that. But I think he's really kind of, he's departed a bit from that kind of, smarmy sexy affected sort of well he was definitely leading into that big time in the last definitely yeah yeah and I think it was definitely like an interesting role that he was playing on on that record and like for me I know for a lot of people it didn't work um for me I absolutely loved it I I caught their last gig in uh the Olympia when they played like it was like their last ever gig and it was insane it was so so good and yeah, I think that this is this is now a really good starting point for what I think will be an interesting and more kind of maybe a bit more mellow sound, a bit more introspective and maybe lyrically a bit more honest than that kind of affected sexiness of mm. Wild Beasts. Mm. It's actually the second song he released uh, from the album so far. Uh, one up. The title track is up as well. So, mm. But the album is out on May 24th. I think it's probably one of those things. You're right, actually. It doesn't suit the weather at all. No, it doesn't. You should have released this in February. Yeah. yeah. Or like November. Like, <laughs> Obviously, why, it wasn't ready in November. Why don't people seasonally release things? You know? <laughs> they should. Um, I definitely uh, wasn't... Um, I, I like it, but I don't think I'd go back to it an awful lot at the mm. moment. But it, it'd be one of the things I'd wait for the album to listen to. Probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, not like our our next uh, artist up for discussion on the uh, album of the week, which is uh, Bibio. Um, he is just about to release an album called Ribbons, and uh, this is uh, very much suited to the season in my head. This is a, a song from it called Curls. To see within is to feel without a light. Who would have thought that it break the things we like? To find a stone just to bounce across a pond. It's the fact that makes there's a clue to where the song Oh, 
So that is Bibi O. The song is called Curls from his album Ribbons, which is out this Friday. And uh, that is our album of the week up for discussion. Uh, some background information into Bibi O, one of my favorite artists over the last 10 years, probably. This is actually his 10th album in total. Um, has released a number of albums uh, that I love. Uh, 2016's A Mineral Love, really nice uh, mix of this kind of uh, laid back psychedelia kind of folk stuff, but also uh, very much electronic and beat driven as well, almost like Jay Dilla Productions as well in there. Uh, and then that album had a bit more synth and uh, 80s kind of synth pop stuff in there. Uh, before that, he had Ambivalence Avenue, which certainly has was very much like a Jay Dilla album and mixed with like a old fashioned uh, psychedelic folk and like electronic and folk are kind of the core bedrock of, of the Bibio sound. Mm. This album is very much in the uh, folk camp um, overall. It is filled with like warm textures and field recordings and old English folk music um, surprising melodies that you haven't heard on a on a record for a while mm-hmm. um, some vintage soul and some definitely some psychedelic influences Stephen Wilkinson is uh, has been releasing on Warp Records for the last 10 years he's a self-taught musician producer and musician plays every instrument on his album and does all the artwork and stuff like that amazing. as well so, um, uh, the artwork is brilliant yeah, I'm a really, nice. really really big fan of it uh, also, the first time he's brought in mandolins and fiddle in, and other stringed instruments into his music. So, Dre, as a newcomer to Bibio's uh, sound, how did you find this? Yeah, so we we had, I think, that song. Yeah, as I think we had curls. Yeah, week, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, and I was instantly hit by how how much it reminded me, firstly, of um, Sufjan Stevens. Um, which is an instant ding for me. Um, I loved this. I really, really loved this. And I think it's, um, I, don't, I, I don't know if it's the time of year or or what it is, but it's it's just, I, I love how it's, it's really kind of a mood album. Um, I didn't delve too deeply into like the lyrical contents of it because I didn't feel like I needed to. I felt like the kind of the vignettes that were presented just sort of said everything that needed to be said. Um, I, I'm a sucker for field recordings. I'm a sucker for um, anything that kind of brings in elements of the natural world um, in into music, especially this kind of you know, you can imagine him in a cabin in the woods on his own, that kind of early Bonnie Vare meme sort of <laughs> stuff. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a quote from an interview um, that he gave that I, I think sums up the album. Um, he's talking about there's there's a cow mooing sampled on, on the album. And he said, um, well, there's a lyric about a cow, so why not? The clarinet part was also intended to represent the cow. I didn't realize how friendly and playful cows are until I moved to where I live now. On one of my regular walks is a meadow of cows, and they often come over to check you out, the younger ones especially. They're all individual characters, like cats and dogs. There was one small and particularly friendly one that reminded me of my cat, Johan, and he was trying to lick the furry wind cover on my microphone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I'm still, and I was like, that's the album, that's it, you know? It's, it's, yeah, it's it definitely that, has moved further into the countryside absolutely um, it's that old, old english kind of quaint but, but not um 
it's not like affected at all. I, I definitely no. That's what I really like about him because it just feels so genuine. And it's earnest. Yeah, but it's just like you, know, you said. The lyric there is the wisdom of the cow. Yeah, and that's referenced it. And then you look at the song titles, and you're like, um, yes, this all adds up. Ode to a nut hatch. Mm-hmm. Um, you couldn't even hear the birds singing. Um, frankincense and coal, patchouli may. <laughs> Um, those kind of lyrics are, are, are song titles are in there and the sounds are definitely much like that and there are a couple of surprising things like there's definitely he he's very good at just doing that uh, tape saturated uh, finger pick guitar vibe yeah. and it runs some beautiful melodies in there as well just like his voice brings in some lovely melodies on top of those as well and just yeah. really really good at doing that kind of stuff this is the most um definitely the most pastoral of any of his work so far he had an album an ambient album called uh phantom brickwork out recently a couple of years ago but 2017 um but definitely, that was just an, a strip back ambient album. This feels like a return to that. And when I said the beat productions were less um, prominent here, what he's actually done is gone back to the source of, of J- beat productions like Jay Dilla and Madlib and taken inspiration from the source material and source sampling of those artists as yeah. opposed to the artists themselves. So he talks about the likes of Dion Warwick and D.D. Sharp and other 60s and 70s artists and soul artists as well that he's taken inspiration from for this album, which isn't as obvious maybe uh, on first listen or second listen, but it definitely is in there. There's definitely some lovely vintage soul vibes in there, very much in an English context though. Yeah, and I think that that makes sense because it's sort of framed within this kind of nostalgic space. Like a lot of the lyrics are about memory and he's got this you know ghostly kind of distant voice we never really get that close to his voice in the mix it's he seems like there, there's a lot of tracks in this album that are completely instrumental where he doesn't appear at all and but when he does appear it kind of seems like he's far away in a mist or something you know yeah to me that's what exactly what Bibio's best work is it's yeah. like this like beautiful daydream that you're just like mm. and when I was walking around with the his music on my earphones uh, in the last week I was just like this is so nice I just love listening to this yeah yeah you know and and then it goes deeper like I said into the kind of British um folk uh, melodies and some of the which I'm also a sucker some of the for. notes you've never heard before there's yeah. some practically like not quite Morris dancing levels of of music on this but it's not far off like it's very old-fashioned uh, English music definitely and I think even what what he's doing with harmony and in, in a lot of the especially they I I think it's the, it's the song after uh old graffiti is it pa- patchouli may I don't know how you say it but um I th- I think it's that song the the strings in particular are what what they're doing kind of harmonically is so interesting and so kind of not interesting in in a way where it's you know we've never heard it before but interesting simply because we've heard it before but we haven't heard it in a while like there there's moments when you expect like green sleeves to start playing on a banjo or something you know it's really that kind of harking back to tradition and but it's not a traditional album in that it has takes in those traditional melodies but then even like there's a song called the, the album title gets it from Pretty Ribbons and Lovely Flowers which mm. is quite strange and like synth based and then brings in those elements and then you re- and, to, and then suddenly you realise you're listening to something completely different and it's yeah. almost like this smudged soul folk song and you're like oh, I think where'd those, that come from? those kind of those tracks that are 
kind of outliers, the more electronic based ones are interesting because like they do, they do sort of jolt you when they come on. It's kind of like they wake you up, but they're placed within the album so that you don't fall too deep into the kind of lulling we keep coming back to this image of the English countryside, but that kind of... It's totally you know, there, though. You know, oh, yeah, you really feel yeah. it. You really feel it. But you can be lulled into that so easily. And I think that those moments where um, he does something different, he moves to kind of more electronic sounds. I think that there so that it doesn't become a, this is an album you listen to when you're going to sleep. Yeah. It it sort of jolts you back into, you know, we're listening to interesting textures and harmonies and melodies yeah. here. I think that's know? what he's always been really, really, really good at, at just in, um, bringing all those strands together. Not in the way, so one reference I was thinking of recently in terms of where have I heard music like this in a new music context recently and it would be the most recent Alt-J album maybe, something like that. There's okay. some of those elements in there. But they, like, the way that the singer and all Jay sings is very, like, it's not very warm, it's quite distant, yeah. and it doesn't lend itself to that kind of music, where his voice sits so lovely and, and floats around yeah. this music, and that it actually is, just lifts it even more, so. For me, like, a, a good, um, kind of, like, uh, album that you could put alongside this would be Sofiane Stevens's um Carrie and Lowell where it is that kind of there's there's a lot of like tradition in the melodies of that album and there's also that that warm voice that yeah. kind of inviting l- lulling voice that um yeah you can just you can really really just seep into this album like a warm bath it's yeah. just lovely <laughs> i think if there's any negatives about it maybe lyrically it doesn't quite have that same impact for sure it doesn't have that like narrative thing it's might something to hmm. to enjoy the sound of as opposed to really listen to the words uh, i actually didn't mind that the lyrics no that's fine but just you mentioned yeah. carrie and lowell as yeah a, like it's not that level of like thematic and narrative no, in there at no. all no like the, the themes the are definitely itself. like a lot vaster and a lot more kind of um a bit more open to interpretation than what you'd usually get in Sofiane's music and I would say the only other thing I would say is that the there's 16 tracks on the album which is a lot and Mm. um because it's kind of meandering and it does that thing it doesn't quite feel like it has that full arc uh for an album or or his best work even Mm. uh complete uh but I really do enjoy a lot of this album a lot and it's really really fantastic yeah I kind of I I did I didn't miss the narrative element of it too much because I sort of hear all the different pieces as little parts of a whole which I guess is a narrative right but like in terms of the lyrics or or even in terms of how one song moves into the next I think there are moments in the album where that happens really easily the first three tracks I think could just kind of roll into each other and then you're kind of jarred out of it but I I also didn't mind that so much because I I, I'm also a fan of albums that just present small vignettes like little tiny mosaic pieces of a grander picture and you're not really sure what the picture is until you kind of step back and look at it um that's the impression I got I got from this sure it's just glorious like it's, I say it's 16 songs long, but like it's 52 minutes and it's not that long. It's long, yeah. it's just long enough. Uh, it's just maybe a slight bit too long mm. here and there. 
Um, but it's a it's a really uh, lovely journey um, to go on. And certainly it's, it feels like a bit of a palate cleanser for me from some of the other stuff I listen to. I feel like he creates his own world. Yeah. That kind of a level of pastoral world building that, you, you know, it's a, it's a real break from other stuff when I'm listening it to is, it. It is, yeah. I, th- I think so. I think it's a, for me, this is like, I think I've talked before, I would have talked back in autumn about autumn being my favorite time of the year to listen to music. And I can definitely see this as one of those kind of, when I'm in that sort of mood, um, this would be something that I go back to. I'll go back to it anyway. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but um, so I promise I will make you a BBO playlist. Yeah, um, yeah, you're gonna make uh, me a full discography playlist. Uh, I've gone. I've actually started already. I've gone into a lot of his previous work and uh, started to put a playlist. I think I have twenty songs at least mm-hmm. for you to listen to um, that give you some. I'm of very excited. The shades of his music. Um, so Bibio, one of the albums called Ribbons, would play a uh, one of the songs that I really love from it. I listened to this in the car on the way down to my parents' house recently and I was going, this is a bit different as well, even mm. for him. Um, it's kind of Brazilian influence apparently. So this is called Old Graffiti. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> BBO, the album is called Ribbons, and that is our album of the week this week. And uh, yeah, I will definitely put a playlist uh, alongside the podcast if I can. I definitely have started one, so why not? I can put a starter playlist at least, and I can finish it at some other point if I don't get a chance to. Now, we had All Twins in earlier on today. That is Connor Adams and Lar Kay, and they have a new album, their second album out on Friday called Just to Exist. They're kicking off their tour dates uh, for the album on Saturday in the National Stadium in Dublin. And uh, they this is their second album after a few years of um, kind of trying to figure out where they were going to go next. They had a really good self-titled album that definitely had a bit more of a stadium rock kind of driving vibe to me. And uh, this new album is very different and feels like progress in in a different it's moving in a different direction and not totally separate from where they started with the first album but there's definitely new sounds and new textures here so they came in for a chat with us here is a listen to one of the tracks from the album from all twins it is called in the dark Here. 
Lauren Connor from All Twins, thanks very much for coming into the Nile Nine podcast. Hey man, how's it going? We're good, we're good. Um, so gearing up for the album, yep, coming out on Friday. Second album long in the in the making, would you say? Does it feel like that for you guys? No, I think this one felt quite quick to yeah. make. I guess kind of the process of it actually being in the shop this week took a while. When did the other one come out? Six, 2016? 2016, yeah. Yep. So what is it now? 2019? I'm doing <laughs> yeah, maths ages. Quick. Three years. <laughs> three years yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like three years. Three yeah. years can feel like a long time, can't it? Like, mm. But uh, in this but case... it doesn't feel like... Yeah, three years in my brain is like, oh, that's super long. But I doesn't feel that long. And how long did the actual kind of recording process take? About three months, considering... Yeah, we went, so we went in with James... In January, so January, February, pretty much. And then that so was that's in James Vincent McMorrow who yes. produced the album, which you Yeah. And he he has a room we were doing it in the concert hall. Oh which yeah. Which is cool. And then we did so we did about two months there, give or take, a week or two. Then we moved to a different studio to finish the vocals and the drums in Herbert Place, which is on the canal. It's a lovely little studio. And then because I just got revamped, I think, at the time. So before James got involved uh, with the album and the recording, so where you, where were you heading with it, do you think? Because that was kind of not really the plan, I guess, or was there a plan otherwise? Yeah, we didn't know, to be honest. It's kind of like we did three singles after the first record. And mm. yeah, I think we were about a little bit like, what do we do? Do we do another album or do we just keep rolling out new tracks? And kind of a little bit unsure of what to do with the band yeah who we were as people <laughs> yeah no it was yeah we were a little unsure i mean this is going back what a year and a half now it was kind of the we had done our album we had toured it and then we start releasing singles so it was alone together with james and then we did a song called anything uh that was that anything was recorded or released around the time we were pretty confused as to what we were doing and what we wanted to do because we had these we had a good 60 80 kind of demos and none of them were giving us any great feelings really weren't they not that's was, a lot yeah. of that's a lot of music though it's a lot of music yeah, yeah, yeah. but as well it's a lot of like i mean they're not finished songs but they're a lot of them are nearly abstract ideas riffs mm. and little bits and bobs that, but there was none of them really that kind of spelt out a direction they were all very different like so what changed then what what um, How did you find the direction? It was James, to be honest. He kind of, because he got in touch saying, do you want to kind of do what we did before, except this time work more closely in a room together? Sorry, excuse me. As opposed to, because with Alone Together, we just kind of did it by email quite a bit. And we were only in the studio for like a half a day doing vocals and stuff. Yeah, we'd kind of done most of that track already. And it was kind of James mm. coming at the end, so... So then for a hell of a party. So then basically he was like, you know, what year? 2017, if my maths is correct. Yes. 2017. <laughs> fast maths going on. I know. Yeah. It's like, oh, Rain my maths. brain. Um, <laughs> I'm full of coffee. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, just before two Christmases ago, just before Christmas, he was like, do you want to let's do a song again, except spend more time in the studio and kind of knit it from the ground up. And he had this idea. It was like a bass line and a kind of a vague vocal melody. And he sent it to me and Lara. He sent us two or three ideas, but that one stuck out. And it was turned out it was hell of a party. It was that kind of verse bass riff. 
So we went into the concert hall, spent two days on it, and we had pretty much the thing that's on the record now. I mean, we redid bits, but they didn't change that much. And then he was just like, he got on to us the next day, kind of going, do you want to do an album like this? And we were like, yeah, cool. Because <laughs> he happened to be free. He was like, yeah, I'm going to be free for a month after Christmas, but then I'm bitten, busy again. So we were like, yeah, cool. And um, we just used that as the kind of pillar to kind of branch all the other songs out from. So we're kind of going, right, if Hell of a Party is the on the album, what does that album kind of sound like? And then we kind of went from there. Yeah, and it came together so easy, like two days. And I think even James was just kind of like, yeah, this is what you guys sound like, you know. It was like, sweet. So from my perspective, I'm just like from the outside looking in, you know, is there anything that shakes your faith in what you're doing when, you know, you have a sort of major label deal in some way. And then, you know, the trajectory of a band is the idea that, you know, you're getting up and things are going well. And then, like, that never changed for you, but those circumstances in terms of labels changed. So was that a positive thing in the first place? Were you disappointed at first? Mm. Uh, I mean, personally, I I wasn't disappointed. Uh, I think we learned so much from the process and I kind of knew what we were getting into. (laughs) Yeah. So I wasn't really surprised. Yeah. I kind of personally, I was disappointed initially um, when when we were first kind of, when we first kind of found out that, you know, we weren't meeting, I suppose, the stats. expectations <laughs> and stats that sure. the label had, you know, because you're talking about Warner, they're, yeah. you know, a big deal and they're like, they expect big numbers and they've, yeah. they've funded, they just throw money at stuff. It's, but it, it's our money in the end of the day. But they don't tell you that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I suppose there's a big expectation to earn that back. And when you're not meeting them, and we weren't even realizing, we were, I suppose we were kind of less aware of how it all worked. And I do remember being kind of disappointed when I first kind of got inklings of, mm, this isn't going as expected. Do you think it's, I mean, like, I, I don't, but do you think, like... Should, that shouldn't really be the artist's role, right? If if a label is doing their job properly, oh for sure, an artist yeah, yeah, should yeah, yeah, yeah. not I have totally to worry agree. about that kind yeah. of stuff. But yeah. also, you have to be able to grow and develop, and those mm. kind of like one album things now are aren't very fair. Oh, there yeah, <laughs> doesn't feel like, like in like a a realistic there's metric. There's no gestation to be like, period. There's no mm. like if you get a band and you go right, you've got one album to make it big. It's like. Mm. That's it's not the way it used to work. You know, bands were allowed to grow and become and kind of morph into the thing and get, give people a chance to get used to them and follow them. But yeah, the whole one album and you're out thing is like, I don't know. So is it better now you're, you're back with like Faction doing uh, your own thing pretty For much? Sure, That's yeah. very yeah. much. Well, I think we learned so much from our process because I think that first album me and Connor would have put out without being involved with yeah. label and sport was that all being, done at the time before no they not came really on, there was right. just kind of demos and stuff and i think we me and connor thought it was done but it definitely wasn't yeah <laughs> was it beneficial for them the major to be involved at that point did you get like positive developments that oh, it was. affected oh, yeah. the music like musically did yeah you well like it afforded us to work with producers that have been doing this for a long time and kind of learn their craft a lot more and 
and it was we got really good helpful kind of a and or like our a and or people and all like i don't think warner a big bad corporation or anything because it's full of individual people and they gave us great kind of insights into how it works and even like we trusted their opinions as well like we were sending them demos and they were kind of going oh this one's better and kind of explaining why you know and you're kind of going right cool that's more mm. information yeah. So it was it was a good experience. It was just the reason I said I was disappointed initially because I was kind of it's that personal thing of I failed. Yeah. I'm not the musician I thought I was. And, <laughs> you know, it's like we're not the next strokes. And then you kind of go, oh, well, fuck it. Like, we'll let's keep making music and let's yeah. see who else wants to put it out. And so then it was a good thing. Yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. So now you have album two done about to come out tomorrow by the time people are listening to this um so it, like musically it's quite different really isn't it from the first album like there's definitely a lot of change mm. i hear in that album yeah i think it's a progression but like i was kind of saying connor a lot of people have said this to me and i'm kind of i personally don't think it's that crazy different it's like all the kind of same elements and stuff yeah, I would agree with that, but it does feel to me uh, it's pitched differently. It's, yeah, it's, it's it got is. a different vibe to it yeah. overall. But I think we just knew after the first album, we were like, cool, that kind of period of the band is finished now. And Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, if you compare them in that sense, like album versus album, it's the first one was, like Lars said, like we had done it by loads of different producers. There's four or five different producers on it in different locations, you know, so. That's it was more of a collection of things we were doing over the course of two years and kind of put out as an album. Whereas this one, one producer, you know, same four people, three people in a room. It was very much, it's nearly like a song, you know, it's a body mm. of the same work. So I think it's more cohesive. It's more, it was, it's more thought out. The other ones were like, they're the best songs. Let's stick them together and the best way we can <laughs> yeah, you know yeah what about lyrically then for this album how do you uh find your uh process being different now on the first um album? well yeah because the first one um I, the first album i just kind of went with i don't know i like to mask things in layers of hidden meaning <laughs> so that even i'm like it's hard to explain what it's about it's about four different things and then I, I think the first album's way more vague and you get out of it whatever the hell you want. With this one, I think at the start, really close to the start, we were kind of, I think James said it was like, oh, the music feels like kind of a driving album. We're like, yeah, that's a cool idea. Like, you know, so then I kind of took a lyrical approach to that. Like, what are the things I was kind of thinking of like road trips and getting the fuck out of Dodge and so that's one kind of story then it's like going to a new beginning or just everything to do with a road trip but then imagine you're stopping in towns in between and you're seeing all sorts of dramas and so I kind of pulled stories from my life my friends lives and all into these little mini movies that were scattered out on this weird road trip if you know what I mean and it might be no coincidence that you're writing this at a time when you're embarking on for a sure new yeah 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 exactly in in your music and, and your it's lives. it's not like that's the thing i not even consciously i always find i look at my lyrics like two years after i wrote them like oh i know what that <laughs> properly means now yeah because i'm writing kind of i'm kind of hiding it for myself too because i don't like being too like you know 
I'm really sad, and that's the sentence. I wanted to go, whatever, I'll veil it in some mystical way. But then I'll look back later and go, oh, it's quite obvious what I'm saying. So I'm confused by my own explanation, to be honest. <laughs> no, so. I think that, that makes complete sense. Smoke bombs. <laughs> and when you're, in terms of writing the songs, was it was it easy to have the influence of James with you? Did, did, did it all slot in easily or was it strange to have a third no I think person? it was really simple to be honest yeah. after our first session it was kind of like yeah we kind of get how we all work mm-hmm. yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't it's, it's one of those things I thought anyway where it was kind of like there's a pressure too yeah, because definitely. it's James Edson McMorrow we know his records he's so talented he plays guitar, keys, amazing voice, writes songs, produces. So he kind of does everything. And you're kind of, it's, it can be a bit intimidating as well. Mm. And you're, I'm like pretending to be a musician in my brain. Going, <laughs> uh, just don't make sure he doesn't find out I'm <laughs> fucking not here. Yeah. So we talked a little about bit before that. in terms of uh, the uh, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I you know, just fucking live and breathe it. Embrace day. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everyone's been an imposter. Oh, kind. for sure. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm more comfortable with it now, but it depends, you know, I don't know. It depends whatever situation. There's always a brand new, you know, uh, situation that you're going to be like the imposter again. It's always buried in all of us. <laughs> yeah, I think we knew, like... You couldn't hide anything from James, really. Yeah, it's just like. Well, that's it. He's a he's a songwriter who puts himself very into his work, and yeah. like to the point where there's no doubt that that song is about a particular day or night in his life. You know, especially with his most recent work as well, you can really get that sense. And that's like an artist digging deep into themselves. So when you're working with somebody like that, you kind of have to maybe even subconsciously consider that you're like, oh. You know, I have to, it can't, I can't hide it beside behind artifice or whatever else, but yeah. you have to kind of go deeper and do those kind of things. What about yourself, Larry, for your guitar playing? Like that's changed a bit as well in terms for this album. Yeah, I think in this one, it's probably stripped back. And like, I think probably the biggest example is, uh, this is like a solo and song called Warm Crush. And we knew when we were doing James kind of like, yeah, I think this needs like a riff or something. And I was like, yeah, I'd like the usual pedal board. And it was the first time someone was just like, man, yeah, all of that stuff is cool. But James just like, just stop and like write a melody. And I was right, like, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he was totally right. It's just like, you can do all this stuff and it's cool. But it's just like, just actually write something that has melody to it. Yeah. And okay. doesn't have and like it, it won't matter what pedal you play. Rainbow machines. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yeah. Stuff that like for your ears straight away it's just like oh that's kind of cool it's to, mm. it's to serve the song it's like what does the song call for as opposed to what do I want to put on the song mm. for yeah. my own kind of ego or you know that kind of approach. and even in other stuff it's just kind of like James was like why don't you just play some chords on this bit I was like yeah that's probably the right call <laughs> 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 but uh, it was to serve the track as well was the main thing mm. Because Hell of a Party originally, the same thing in the solo section, it was like we need something and like step back in the comfort zone of like tapping and stuff. We kind of listen next day, I was like, yeah, man, uh, it's not a vibe. It's not right for the song. No, the solo, it was just, it was just a noise for like 
Yeah, so I ended up being a talk box in the end, which was yeah, kind of worked out. You've used that before, though. You've used talk box. Yeah, but same deal. It was just like I couldn't just do loads of shit. It was just like I had to be in contact with the track. Uh, and then there's a song on the album, is it No One Is Any Fun? Is yeah. that called? With Sorka Richardson on it. How did that come about? How did you end up bringing her on the track? Kind of Connor's track, really. In, yeah, it was just in my kitchen um, at home. Me and Sorka were just writing a bunch of tunes. I think she had just come back from New York. I think she came back around somewhere in the summer, at the end of the summer, whatever year that was. And um, I went to see her play, and we just got on really well. And so we just said, let's do some writing together. And there was no really end goal. It was just like, let's just fucking write some tunes. So then we were out in my house and we did that. Um, we did a whole bunch. Uh, I still have to find them on my computer because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we have like five pretty cool ones. But that was one that we kind of got most over the line. There was verse, chorus, those words. And then we were like eight songs into this album and we were just kind of like, we need a certain vibe, like a, and we talked about the vibe, but I went, like, James was like, go and check your laptop, see what's on them. And he was going to look at his, you were looking at yours. And I just found that song, and I just sent it to the guys, like, is this the vibe? I thought it was, and they were like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just revamped it, because it was... It was quite dancey. Yeah, it? I think the version I sent you guys, yeah, it was, there was some Duncan beats on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different beast. You put a donk on it. It was, there was a dunk. <laughs> but that's the other thing about James as a producer. It's like, I think he's, he could hear that track for what it was straight away. Just like, yeah, that's the one. And so in terms of like all those, all that time since the album when you've been working on, you playing live and so stuff you listen to that you're like, okay, I actually, I could see something in that that I would like to do. Or During making of the album? Yeah, generally the last couple of years or even seeing them live, seeing bands live and stuff like that as well. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like seeing something going, oh, I want to do that. Mm. I want to rip that off, hide it in my own. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I, I I get inspired by bands and acts and artists and everything, but I don't. There is, I always kind of like Bonnie Vera is one that you can kind of go because the way he makes his albums are so textured and so million things going on. I'd love to. It's impossible to know, like, because even on his last album, it's like there's like dictaphone noise. It's just noise half the time. I'm like, how do they fucking make that sound good? It's very hard to make something sound kind of shitty but good yeah um that's one thing i've always wanted to rob that kind of shittiness but it's still really lovely sound quality yeah. I remember the first time i listened to 22 a million on one of the tracks i thought my headphones were broken I yeah they were like yeah yeah for sh- i'm and saying I was like, oh it's on purpose what yeah insane. <laughs> I was like, this is on everything i've tried yeah, yeah i was the yeah. same but then the more you get used to it you're like it's nearly like it reminded me of listening to tapes mm. in my walkman there was a kind of a Sometimes it warble and it would kind of reminded me and of And it can add something to it. Totally. It gives yeah. it a bit of character. But well, speaking um, of, I remember we had a chat before, Lara, about uh, Bibio. And we talked about Bibio's yeah. album a couple of years ago. He has an album that actually signed as you and uh, we'll be talking about it on this show. And uh, it has that kind of like, you know, feel of recording, lo-fi mm-hmm. stuff. The new one is much more pastoral and like folk based. Yeah. Even to the point where it's actually like, jarring where it goes like oh this is old english folk music yeah, yeah. it's very like there's, there's a sample of a cow mooing yeah. on it it's but there's wonderful. there's parts of it that are just like it's really hard to make this music 
sounds so warm and, and lush and like old fashioned and like far away as well. You know, like mm. it's a, that's a that's a huge trick and a huge like uh, uh, nice thing to be able to do and a really tough thing to be able to do. I think with, with 22 million, it's it's one of the best examples of an artist who had to follow and learn the rules before he was allowed to break them. And then he just totally destroyed it on the, destroyed the rules on, on that album. And then it's just been kind of influencing ever since but mm. I, I i love a lot of the work that's going to come out of that era and it's actually when when i was listening to your album i was like i can i can hear this this influence here i can hear the kind of yeah, playing yeah. around with those textures um Definitely. and a kind of a the a, a warmth to it as well i think weirdly on this album is kind of being influenced by ourselves because me and connor sat down yeah. and went through like every kind of session we've done since that first record and there's a lot of stuff that we've kind of forgotten about I think yeah for sure so kind of delving back into that just being like oh yeah that thing was kind of interesting and that was condensed into a folder and sent on to James and then that stuff was turned into like starting points on the album so I think as well uh, going through our all our demos and every idea we've ever had basically for a few days I was surprised that I think there was more slow songs, slow jams than big, fast, rocky ones. So it was kind of like listening to all that going, we kind of do lean towards, uh, you know, slower tempos. We just didn't do that with the last record. Mm. But we actually, did, we jammed quite a lot of slow songs. Yeah, like that track Heard You was pretty much demoed in your kitchen, I think. Yeah, it was. Before James was involved, or yeah. yeah, it was around the time. Sir, I think it was Circa was there the week before, and then you were out the next week, and we were just same time. So it kind of makes sense that they would kind of make the album. Is so is the with the album coming out then is like it's all about live for you guys then in terms of uh, that's what you're looking forward to once that comes out or you've got loads of stuff coming on or and how will the live setup change or does it change for this record? Uh, yeah, it definitely changes because there was so much more shit going on. We were like, mm. okay, we got to up our game. So I, I play keyboards live now as well. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> uh, Multi-instrumentalist now. <laughs> yeah, we just had to take more on board and just be like, all right, what can we, what's the most we can do to kind of replicate this and stuff? And Yeah. But yeah, I think now that it's done, it's kind of, it's proven it live, I think, now is the next thing. Yeah. But, like, I'm confident, like, we've been rehearsing there the last few weeks. And we just came out of a big, long rehearsal there over four days. And I'm, I love playing them live. Feels really good now. Mm-hmm. Didn't at the start. <laughs> like, oh, my God, what? how do we do this? Yeah. It took us a while to get there, but we've managed to juggle everything. So, yeah. Are they, are they kind of faithful versions of, of the albums? or the Hopefully. Yeah, it, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Spent enough time. And, it's, uh, good. and as well, you want it to be slight, slightly different. You don't want it to be just carbon copies. Otherwise, mm. yeah, what's true. the point? Yeah. So you're playing in a boxing ring, essentially, are, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on Friday in the National <laughs> Stadium. Uh, that's that's not an everyday occurrence. Have you ever played in a boxing ring? Nope. Where's the weirdest place you've actually played as a part of a band and not like a, a regular venue? Uh, I played in an abandoned petrol station in Berlin to a lot of that's, that's so that's, Berlin. That's, that's, a, so, that's yeah, a hipster yeah. that's so I Berlin. Heard. I love that. Because people drinking out of top hats on a half <laughs> on a half pipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the middle of winters. Um, that was pretty weird. That's that good. is a weird. I don't know. My memory is terrible. I'm sure I've played weird places. I can't can't think really. 
on a submarine <laughs> one day. <laughs> <laughs> so no. what's your plan then for the summer? Are you doing loads of live gigs? Is that the that's the buzz? Yeah, so we're off to Europe in May. So how do you find the European audiences and, and general treatment in Europe compared to everywhere else? Or even home? Great. I I love it. Um it just even in terms of when you get to a city like whatever Hamburg or something the riders always there it's always fresh towels you're treated really well even if you've sold two tickets yeah that's one thing i always notice between say the uk and ireland and europe they treat bands really well yeah um not to say Ireland doesn't, but I don't think the UK, you just... UK is a totally different beast, though. It's for a different bands. beast. It's like, you, you'd be lucky if you get... Uh, bag of some, crisps and a can of Coke yeah, backstage. Pretty much. Yeah, or yeah, a hand yeah. wipe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, some, or some loo roll in the, in the yeah. jacks. Yeah, it alcohol is... Alcohol wipe, just suck the alcohol out of it. There's <laughs> yeah. your booze. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of goals, um, what is your next goal? Because I know you talked before about like originally when you started out, you wanted to do the Olympia Theatre. Yeah. Did that. Now you're doing the National Stadium, the National Stadium. So what's of next? Of Ireland. Of Ireland. <laughs> the National the Stadium, national stadium, of, stadium Ireland. of Ireland. Does that mean the president has a chair there? He might <laughs> he do. He should do. <laughs> I did because I didn't know he had one in the concert hall. And yeah, he was, Does he? Yeah. 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 So he was there the first night of the gloaming you were yeah, there yeah so and, they, uh, they stand like they announced his uh his arrival and then they, they play around the v and everyone stand up and give him a little wave oh, it's amazing. Yeah. i don't know uh, like are other people that sit in that chair the rest of the time uh, is it like just reserved yeah it's or? like it's up it's upstairs and it's very it's always the same place i've seen him a couple of times oh, it's just on its own it's made of gold yeah <laughs> like trumpets it's beside it <laughs> yeah he yeah. can <laughs> join in it's slightly higher than what it used to be because he was remember when we were at u2 he was at the night i was at u2 yeah he was up because i gave him an l wave oh yeah so he might have a seat in the tree arena as well Mm. i think though (laughs) from where where they were pointed it looked like he was just on the balcony in a normal seat that can't be right though right well they had to squeeze him in probably (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm in the mood for some u2 tonight oh it's totally sold out (laughs) it was like Uh, leah bracker's kylie thing you know like sending a note on head of paper to to kylie minogue saying i want to personally greet you it's like just get some tickets dude yeah it's fine he's just been a kitty that was all that was yeah yeah, any chance you could put me on the guest list (laughs) fuck i forgot to get tickets yeah (laughs) i'm dead oh no so what what is the next goal then uh, or do, do, honestly, you, do you still think in terms of that or no yeah. definitely like the last goal i think we probably talked about was making a second album mm-hmm. yeah so we haven't really put out our new goal which well, i think which, probably the last conversation we had was kind of saying like when we go on tour it's probably the start of the next thing and i think we were pretty excited with the idea of just being like what can be done on tour versus coming back and being like, cool, see you in the studio and we like start something new. Yeah. Different, I think, is the other thing. It's just like, well, it can be anything we want it to be now as well. Cool. That's a lovely way to leave it. Uh, Lauren Connor, thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. And uh, best luck with the album uh, comes out tomorrow, All Twins. Thanks very much yeah. and enjoy the uh, the Boxing Stadium gig. I'm sure you'll have a good Yeah, time. should be good crack. Don't knock anyone out. <laughs> Try not. <laughs> Thanks. It's not that I need it. It's not that I don't. It's not that I want it. It's not that I want. But Jesse, when you're here, stay out to the sun. You're the only one that's ever any fun. It's not that I need it.
Thank you to Connor and Lara for coming in and having the chats with us this week. Um, we have much more uh, interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. We have the likes of uh, Soak and Kelsey Liu and Maverick Saber to talk to uh, very soon. Um, I really like the album a lot. Uh, the All Twins album is very different. Uh, it's nice and short as well, mm. which is a nice thing. There's a really I mentioned that Zorka Richardson album or song on the album that came out last Friday. I really, really love that song. I really like that song. Very as well. different yeah. kind of vibe for them, and uh, nice to see. You know, interesting thing for James Fitzmaurice to get involved in as well. Uh, his first full production for somebody else as well. So. Mm. I think it's going to do well and I hope it does. That is All Twins with uh, Just To Exist and uh, thanks to Connor and Lara for coming in. I appreciate that. Do check out that album. It is out tomorrow. And uh, so it's nearly the end of our show and uh, Dre, it's time to ask what have you been reading and watching and listening to this week? Well, I've just read that both Ajax and Manchester United are 1-0 down in the Champions League. Both of my teams. Not going well for you. No, but somebody threw a plastic pint club at Cristiano, Cristiano Ronaldo's head. So there's always that. Um, other than that, uh, I said earlier, I've been rewatching season one of Game, Game of Thrones, which has been amazing. Really, really enjoying that. Um, I was sick yesterday, so I stayed home from work. And I yesterday kind of afternoon, evening, watched all of Derry Girls. <laughs> like just one All the sitting. new season. No, all of season all, one. Oh, and, all of it. Yeah, I hadn't and seen any two. of it. And um, God, that's a good show. Like, it's, it's very good. It's, it's really funny. quite good. People should watch it. Yeah. And then I didn't realize that the the season finale was last night. And I finished it. I went on Twitter. And then I saw someone who being like, can't believe Dairy Girl season finale is tonight. And I was like, this has worked out <laughs> wonderfully for me. You planned um, this well. Yeah. So that's, you know, Dairy Girl's unreal. Um, I've been listening to the new album by Way's Blood, Titanic Rising, which is one of my favorite albums that's come out this year so far. Um, it's just like, it's really, really wonderful. If you How want to describe be. it musically, because it's kind of, I, I, you talk, you go. It's sort of, I think it's, it's a, it's a piece that you can kind of sink into. It's very textured and rich in tone um there's she she just does really really interesting stuff around the narrative of you know why like we're a generation that has grown up with um films and love stories and everything working out in act three and what I like about what she's done on the album is that she leans into that and sort of makes a case for it um and presents that attitude from various different perspectives um we had movies the song on uh, a, f- a few weeks ago as one of our tracks of the week and I think that that's a good kind of representation of the album overall but it's um it's really really stunning it's y- you can just you can just put it on and completely lose yourself and I really really recommend that you wrote uh, some words on it I did the thin air yeah yeah you can read my review of it on the thin air where I just kind of gush for a few paragraphs over how wonderful this is and it just seems like I know we talked about it towards the end of last year about kind of 
Well, we talked about it specifically about female guitar artists, yeah. but every single album that I've loved this year has been by a woman. Like it, and and other people have said it to me as well that it really does seem like women are just knocking it out of the park and and just doing really brave and new and interesting things. And it's you know it's been happening in pop music for a while now, but. It's I I I don't know what it is and and this is and along with the Julia Jacklin record have just been this has been one that's kind of really affected me this year you yeah. know um, so yeah really recommend everybody g- give it a listen there's a gore, I think it's the second track on it um, um, I'll make sure um, I'll find it now but it's just got this like. Beat Boys kind of like Shoop Duwada thing going on underneath it and you don't feel like it's going to fit in terms of the album, then it does. Uh, it's called da, 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 da. Every Day. It's the third track on the album. Okay. Um, that's like if, if you're going to pick a song out aside from movies to listen to, um, definitely listen to Every Day. But it's just, it's fabulous. The artwork is stunning. Mad about it. Very good. There's a really nice uh, video showing how the artwork was made and really? they did it underwater. Yeah, ah. properly underwater, really. I feel uh, like when you put this next to the hosier one, it's the you versus the guy <laughs> she told you not to worry about. <laughs> um, we just posted a list today of our 16 of our favorite albums released in 2019 so far, which felt like an early time to do it. But to be honest, it didn't because I was thinking about this last week. I was like, what albums have I loved so far this year? And I kind of felt like I needed a recap. So yeah. we were like, let's recap it for ourselves, even if no one else End reads of it. End of Q1. Yeah, exactly. As you we know? <laughs> so like you're right about uh, female artists like Solange. We've had uh, Billie Eilish, um, Chai, the, uh, the yeah. Japanese punk band, uh, Sharon Van Etten, uh, Maria Somerville as well, the likes of Julian Jackman, of course, and um, a few others in there. Jessica Pratt, who we yeah. also reviewed here. And uh, so it's been really, really positive stuff. My favorite album that I've been listening to in the last while, and I've been hammering this in the last week, is Lelufer Yanya's Miss Universe. Yes. Really, really can't get enough of this at the moment. And uh, it's my go-to album uh, at the, for the last two weeks. It and keeps being played in work and like they play really, really bad music. And right. Work. And yeah, when yeah. Th- this comes on, I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it. And I'm still not near sick of or close to being sick of it it's only been out two or three weeks but yeah. um I'm, the more i listen to it the more i'm like yeah this is it mm. i'm really into this I, it's gonna be one i'm gonna be listening to for a long time i'd say do you remember at the end of last year it was like oh this year is a strange year for music and you're kind of scrambling to find albums that you love i feel like this year is like i i nearly have like it's <laughs> you the, nearly have your top 10 <laughs> yeah i nearly do like it and we've got so much of the year left it's like oh it's so exciting yeah Unless i've also been all... listening to the fontaine's album which we discussed last week yes um as well for the some bits and pieces when i'm not listening to the new for any or any other new new music mm. uh yeah it's been a good uh q1 so far it's been a good q1 <laughs> uh, in terms of watching i uh take a lot of my uh television uh, recommendations from the new yorker uh emily Nausbaum. i think that's a brilliant her name she wrote about a show last week uh, called, or a couple of weeks ago, called The Other Two. Uh, I hadn't heard anything about it, so I was chilled out on Sunday and I watched, we watched all 10 episodes. Oh, of, wow. Yeah. I was up really early on Sunday for no reason. I was like, oh, I'm awake. I don't need to be awake. I wasn't feeling great either. Um, So uh, not, not hangover TV day. like that. So yeah, I, we just went up and watched uh, this show. And it's, so basically the premise is, it's about a 
the brother and older brother and sister of a young Justin Bieber like pop star. I'm already in. <laughs> so that's what it's about. It's very funny. Um, Molly Shannon is is in it as well. I I recognise the two leads, but I don't know really from where. You know, you okay. know, I might have seen one of them in High Maintenance or something like that. Okay. Um, and it's a funny show about their kind of less successful older brother and sister in this sphere of this um, Justin Bieber esque pop star. And their management and their mother and like live streams and stupid things that happen. Like, that it's very good. Unreal. It's been very good. I just like watched all 10 episodes in, in a single afternoon. Class. Because <laughs> they're like 22 minutes. Are they minutes. short? Uh, yeah, 22 yeah. minutes or something like that. It was really good. And the other thing I was reading uh, in the past week was uh, our, our friend Dave Hanratty's picture this uh, review. Oh my <laughs> Which you were there uh, for part of. It um, was an epic, wasn't it? Yeah. It's like 4,200 uh, words. A great read. A really interesting read. And certainly uh, we commend him for the amount of work he put in into that it, mm. just never mind the actual piece itself which came out really well uh, and is a fantastic read but also that he had to go to picture this for five nights you went for one night that seems I went for one night and I was done you weren't into it so that was I like have, I have to give a shout out as well to uh, No Encores Dahi for um, last week's there, there was a, a clip last week that was edited together where oh, yeah. ha- Hanratty was like speaking into I think like a voice note on his phone and it was edited together with, you know, cr- crowd noises from the nights and picture this songs and Dublin, how are you doing tonight? And all this. And it deserves an award. <laughs> it was, I was. The, the gr- podcast award for, for best sound edit. Best goes sound to, edit goes to Dahi. It was gripping. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. I like texted Dave while I was listening to it and I was like, awards, awards. <laughs> so yeah, big shout out to Dave Hanready for all the work he's done. He's yeah, doing I thought it was a really work. commendable piece because it wasn't a hit piece about Picture This. It was yeah. very fair and uh, it was kind of really gave you, it was really a, like a said online it was a kind of a personal narrative uh, yeah. in the sphere of a, a a big pop extravaganza and it was to, one man's descent into madness <laughs> backdrop by picture this the picture this is dorian gray as he said yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, so that's it for us this week. We'll be back uh, next Thursday in your feed. So do, if you've not subscribed before, do subscribe. I think actually I've, I've discovered that 80% of the people who listen to podcasts do actually subscribe. Oh, um, And we had a nice reaction to the Pillow Queen's uh, co-host last week. We might do that again sometime soon yeah. when we can. And uh, that's it from us this week. Uh, this week, what are you going to do this weekend? Any Any plans, any gigs coming up? Um, well, all twins have very kindly invited us oh, to yes. come to their we gig on Saturday, so I've probably got a lot. Um, I'll be bopping around for record store day. You might see me at maybe some kind of all ages gig. Oh yeah, on Saturday, know. come down to the all ages um, gig. So I'm getting, I'm getting the copies of the vinyl that I've, uh, um, we've produced as part of the the uh, gig ticket, um, and they look really good. So I'm really happy with that. So, yeah, yeah. So we're doing a special record for record store day, which is nice. And it's nice because if you're bringing your little children with you, they get a record and they can start their collection. They I think that's adorable. Wreck the gaff. They can wreck your needles oh, yeah. with that record. Fanta for want. all. Yeah. Buzzing. <laughs> um I think that I think that's that's quite I, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a big Saturday. So um yeah, take yeah, it easy. It's a big Saturday and Friday for me, so I'm looking forward to that. So that's Spacer as well on uh, Friday night in Lost Lane, kicking it off the first of our weekly clubs. Um, and with Keen O'Quivon is coming in with me back to back. Um, and we had a great time in Dingle last time we did that in December. It was one of the best DJ sets I've, I've had in a while. So uh, awesome. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to have some of that magic maybe brought to Dublin from Dingle, hopefully. Now, uh, we're going to finish with a song from uh, a band close to my heart, because I do manage them, but I also <laughs> love the song, so it's fine. Um, this is a new song from This Laboon is a banger. Called, uh, yeah, it's a real good song. And I don't manage them, so I can say that. You can say that. Banger. I didn't force her to say it. Uh, this is called Be There For You for, from Laboom. See you later. Bye.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.